Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this episode, I was joined by Wendy St. Clair Gibbon, who is His Majesty's Chief Inspector of Prisons for Scotland. So it was great to see what wisdom was going to come from Wendy. And we really started in that place that I probably start quite a lot when I have the conversation with someone about coming on my podcast that they don't know anything for sure. But once Wendy had told us that she didn't know anything for sure, we got to the fact that she knows herself and that that is just such a wonderful place to be in. A wonderful lesson that I hope you enjoy. Wendy, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Tell us a wee bit about you. Okay, well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be on the podcast. That's always a thrill. A wee bit about me. Well, I've got two children and five grandchildren. I don't know how on earth I ever got to have five grandchildren, but I have. I have a wonderful job. I'm His Majesty's Chief Inspector of Prisons for Scotland, so I I get to wander around all the prisons and meet all the staff and all the prisoners, and I'm just extraordinarily lucky that I've got that job, really. I used to be a prison governor. I've done all sorts of jobs in my life. I've changed my career, really, while other people have changed their socks. So it's um, a bit different. But I think being a a chief inspector allows me to be a poacher turned gamekeeper. And I'm just really lucky to have that job. Uh Perfect. Now, I met you in person at a conference actually a few weeks ago and asked you to come on. And I know you've been thinking about your answer to the question. And I'm very intrigued as to with all that life experience and work experience you've got, Tell me, Wendy, what do you know for sure? Well, the only conclusion I've come to is that I don't know anything for sure. (laughs) Because we take life for granted until it hits us in the face that it's no longer life is granted. Mm -hmm. So I would have said that it was unlikely we would ever have another great war. And, you know, at the moment, with wars exploding all over the globe, I don't think that's quite happening. Yeah. I would have said that climate change won't affect me in my lifetime. It'll affect my children and my grandchildren, but not me. But I've had that proved wrong. Yeah. There's so many things that I know for sure that I don't know. And more and more and more that becomes true. And I always think about when I studied philosophy and they would say, what gives you the certainty that the sun will come up in the morning? And and I thought when I was thinking about what do I know for sure? I was thinking, well, the sun will come up in the morning. And I thought, no, with climate change, that might not happen. (laughs) The only thing I know for sure is that I know me. And as I've got older and older, I've known more and more and more about me and become to understand more and more and more about me. Mm -hmm. And I only wish I had this wisdom about me when I was a teenager. Because when I was a teenager, I think I fought against absolutely everything. And uh, I love the fact that I no longer have to do that. And I feel very comfortable in myself and my own body. And that's that level of comfort is so wonderful. As and you know, when I started this podcast, I think 168th conversation I've had this woman that I've had this conversation with. And I think at the start, I wondered, would we all know the same sort of a things for sure? And and we don't. People know different things for sure. But if there is anything, I think you've summed it up very succinctly there. There is this feeling that I have from a lot of women of like, See, if I had known this about myself, if I had known this about the world when I was younger, oh my goodness, how different life could have been. 
Do you reflect yeah. on that with joy, I suppose, or do you reflect on that with sorrow that, ah, if I'd known myself better, that would have been so good when I was younger, or do you think at least I know myself now? I think I, I'm definitely a half-glass-full person. Yeah. I'm extremely grateful that I know myself now and that I know myself and that I'm comfortable with myself. You know, I think when you're a teenager, you worry about how you look, you worry about how you come across, you worry that other people will judge you harshly or badly for things that you have no control over. And I don't have any of those anymore. (laughs) All of that worry and concern has gone. And I, I love that. I absolutely love that. I'm passionate that if people felt good about themselves and we as a society helped them feel good about themselves, that as a society, we would be much richer. Yeah. You know, and I've really enjoyed my time working with people at the extreme end of disadvantage. You know, people in prison, people who got there through abuse and poverty. And watching them transform as you talk to them and you banter with them and you have a laugh with them and you hear about their lives and you tell them a wee bit about yours. You know what sometimes you see, it's almost like a light bulb coming on that you see that that they begin to experience joy in their lives. And that is such a lovely moment. And when I was a primary school teacher and that was teaching children with special needs, that light bulb moment was an absolute thrill. You'd see a kid just suddenly think, oh, I can do this. And whether it's something simple like two and two makes four or something more complex like a sequence of things they have to do, to watch that light bulb moment come on and that sense of achievement and pride, it just gives me joy. What I find interesting about that is that understanding, that appreciation that you've got now that... At any moment, a human being can realise something they never knew before. And yes. that can change their entire worlds. And if you talk about your work just now as an inspector of prisons, as a prison governor, as a primary school teacher, and I'm sure there's been other things among there too, that capacity to know that people can change, do you think that's that strengthens your relationship with people because you understand because some people are so belligerent and so rigid that they think once a person is someone they cannot be anything else and I never like to think that's true I like to think we've all got the capacity to to think different to do different to know better to be better do you think that's what's helped you have the joy of your career because you have that level of knowing of compassion that well maybe they can change now Maybe they can see something different. I think you'd be a very strange prison governor indeed, or a very strange teacher, if you didn't think people could learn and change. Mm. I think I've met maybe two people in my life that I thought, you'll never change. Mm. You know, they've got fixed and rigid thinking. They're not prepared to listen. And I think listening is such a key skill. You know, and I'm not talking about teenagers, but yeah, there are very, very, very few people in this world that can't change. And and your point about learning, I love that. I I think I learn a new thing every day, you know, and and things that I should perhaps have known. And I, I always go back to that example of when my children, I was running them into school and they were 12 and 14, 
and uh, we passed a gas tank. You remember the gas tanks? Yeah. And, uh, I went, wow, we've got a new gas tank. Look at that. And they went, mum. And I said, what? Look at it. It used to be little and small, and now it's a great big one. That's wonderful. It's got colours on it. And they went, mum. And I said, what? And they went, the gas fills the tank. And as the gas is used up, the tank gets smaller. And I went, really? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, how did the 12 and 14-year-old know that? And I had gone my whole adult life without knowing that. (laughs) When I grew up, there was a gas tank. We could see a a window, actually. So I I, I did notice that. I had forgot all about that, actually. I did notice that, it going up and down. Do you think that capacity to... Be grateful. I would say in in my life just now, I feel very content. So I have spent a long time, I suppose, striving. I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm very focused on what I wanted to do in the future. And just now I've been able to, through some work and some reading and things that I've been doing, I'm very content in in the moment. So, you know, sitting in the feeling of a good thought, if every day is good because I'm sitting in the feeling of a good thought, then that will be a beautiful life. I don't need to strive for things. So I would say that that real notion of contentment has only got to me in in my late 40s. When do you think this actually, you having that I know myself when did that come to you and how did it come to you? If you can think back to that, I suppose, realisation. I had a driving ambition for many years mm. and I matched that to a sense of always being on probation. Mm. So as I rose up the career ladder, there was always the next thing to get onto, and a feeling that I was somewhat failing at this, this end, not somewhat failing, but I could have failed. And... I think that comfort came for me around 50 to 55, Mm. you know, and and it just came. But I know I've seen other people get it much, much earlier, but I didn't. And I think the reason I didn't was because I was so ambitious. Mm. You know, if I'd been able to tolerate going back the way or staying where I was until then, I think I'd have been better. But yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I would say, well, if I reflect on myself, I, I do still have ambition. I'm just not driven by it every day. That's the difference, it's isn't it? It's finding the balance, isn't it, probably? Yeah. I I also still have ambitions, but my ambitions are changing. Mm. No, I mean, I think in my early 20s, I wanted to be a supreme commander and a perfect mother at the same time. I'm no longer there. You know, my ambition now is actually to <laughs> learn to play a musical instrument. <laughs> yeah. Totally different. Uh-huh. So, yeah. And you brought yeah. up that word, and perhaps it was both of us, that word joy. I feel very, like, connected to the word joy. It's believe it's what I am at source, and when I'm feeling anything other than joy, then I'm out of alignment and I need to sort myself out a wee bit. What brings you joy? Has that changed as your life and your career has gone on? And I suppose what you've said, maybe, is it much more simpler now? But was it always simple, maybe? I think it was always simple. I've always found joy in all sorts of things. And I knew I'd reached middle age when I found joy in nature. Mm. But, I mean, for me, for instance, a hot cup of tea or a hot cup of coffee is delightful. I mean, I'm addicted, I know, but I love it. So I've always found joy in in little things. And then there's joy in big things. You know, the stuff that makes you absolutely buzzing with it. (laughs) That's just wonderful. 
but it has changed. It has changed over the years. I mean, I, I'm not joking when I say I thought nature was something that happened to somebody else, you know. And now I look out the window and I see three magpies or I, I pass a beautiful spider's web or I go down to the sea and it's just fabulous, you know. And I think, oh, and it's balm to the soul. Yeah. So I, one of the things I, I like about me is that new things give me joy that have always been there, have always been there, you know. So, I mean, the first time you, you, you run for a mile without stopping, you know, just a sense of wonderful achievement. But there's also that, you know, cold winter's day, it's pouring with rain outside, the fire's on, you've got a good movie, and you're very happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's lovely. I and mean, the joy that you've got that, really. Yeah. yeah. And so do you continue to gravitate towards what brings you joy then? Do you see that being something that will be a priority for you? Very much so. When I was going through a very difficult divorce in Canada and there was no family around, I went for counselling. And, and the counsellor said to me, you need to decide, really, what gives you pleasure and not do things that don't give you pleasure. And that counts for people too. If you've got friends that when you come away from the friendship, you think, oh, you know, didn't enjoy that. Then you have to think very carefully. You know, you're very emotionally fragile and you need to care for yourself. And I've taken that throughout my life. Mm. If I don't enjoy doing it, then why am I doing it? And there, there are mundane tasks that everybody has to do. You know, that, that don't, that's not an issue. And and there are things that you don't enjoy short term, but they're worth it for the long term. Yeah. But I have taken to heart that if I don't enjoy the company of the people I'm with repeatedly, then then why do I have time with them? So and likewise, yeah. jobs and tasks and activities. Yeah. So yeah, I worked in the computer industry and hated it. Yeah. Absolutely hated it. And it took, it took me thinking about that conversation and thinking, why are you doing this? Because you're earning a lot of money. Is it really worth it? No. Okay, so I resigned the next day. <laughs> wow. And it's having that freedom. And I think, you know, a listener could sit and think, ah, well, it was okay for you. I was speaking to one of my friends yesterday, and we've both become freelance in the last sort of five or six years. So, I admire that, by the way. I've and, often thought about that and thought, how do I in life for us we were actually laughing yesterday because neither of us have got loads of money in the bank we need to work to make a living we're not doing it as a joyful pursuit as such but yesterday my friend said to me somebody's offered me this piece of work but I'm not doing it because it just wouldn't bring me joy and I thought and we're both the same age so we're both 48 and we us having that when I know that we've been friends since we were in our mid-30s that in our mid-30s the very idea of having that level of freedom would have been terrifying to us to turn down work, even though we've got yes. capacity to take it. But it won't bring me joy. I don't like the people I don't want to work with them, so I'm not doing it. And I just mm. thought, God, how much have we grown? And that has yes. taken a leap of faith, though. And I suppose that's the point, is, as other women listen to this podcast, the point is you can take that leap of faith. You can stop being afraid to somebody who drains you dry every single day. Yes. And as women, we so often have to be about everybody else. How can I help everybody else? What do I need to do to be a good wife, to be a good mother, to be a good daughter, to be a good friend, to be a good... Blah, blah. And we forget to tap into what actually is bringing us joy, don't we? Yes. Yeah. 
We do very much so, very, very much so. I, I can't decide whether it's cultural or it's nurture, nature or nurture. But I do know that as women, we do want to make other people feel good. Yeah. And and by doing that, we get a sense of pleasure. But when you're making other people feel good and they're not making you feel good, it takes a level of self-awareness to say, this is not working for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah. I think that's the other side, though, of, of joy, which is it's an inner wellspring, isn't it? Yeah. And, and you've got to allow it freedom. And I always think about my life as though I'm sailing on the sea, you know, and when it gets a bit choppy, as life does, you need to kind of rise above it a bit. You can't sink into it because you'll drown. And And part about joy is rising above it and saying, OK, all of this is going wrong and all of this is going right. But what can I do to influence that? And if there's not a lot, stop worrying. And, or not stop worrying, but work on the stuff that you can do that gives you joy. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. And sometimes it's the little things, isn't it? It's the very little things. You know, just, yeah. I remember holding my mum's hand as she was dying and just thinking, this is a real privilege. Yeah, Yeah. recognising that is so important thank Mm. you so much Wendy for joining me on the podcast and for sharing your wisdom it's a pleasure I've really enjoyed the conversation (laughs) I will when I get time listen to some other people because I think it will be insightful and I love that you're doing that and I so admire that you are absolutely freelance well done Uh okay Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching and Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, anhughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.